So let's pray. So God, uh, I just want to invite you to be present with us. I ask that you fill the spaces that each one of us are in. I ask that you bring peace and that you be present with them. Hmm. So I just want you to sit just for a moment. Thank you, God, for being with us. In your name, amen. Okay, so this sermon is actually, we're going to be looking at uh, the exchanges between God and Moses. And we're looking at choosing presence. And the thing is, choosing presence begins in curiosity and that leads to courage. And so we're going to be talking about this process and how it played out with Moses. So uh, first, I want to talk a little bit about just generally setting the stage and then specifically regarding Moses. So all of us have grown up in beliefs or patterns that we've learned. We either have learned from our parents or we've learned from our experiences out in the world. And they've taught us how we think life works. And our brains are made such that we look for patterns and we create understanding based on the patterns and the experiences that we have. So these beliefs and patterns and experiences all feel true. And they're what I would call the little t true. Um, but we can also hit spaces where we feel stuck and limited by them. And the function sometimes of how we make sense of the world, it, it can in unhealth, and maybe sometimes it's a healthy thing, it, it works to keep us safe uh, and limited in what we see and understand. That limitation sometimes is just toxic shame, which is not good. The shame becomes toxic because it doesn't like to be seen. It likes to stay hidden and then it has more of a, of a hold. But when toxic shame is brought out into the open, it just becomes these are limitations that I am living, that I have, and that can be changed possibly. So, but they're not constraining. I can ask for help. So uh, there's this way of seeing the world that develops. And they're the little t-truths that we've just sort of walk around with uh, the way that we see the world. And they determine kind of the things that we see and we think we understand from one another. That's why communication is so tricky. So now let me unpack Moses's life. Moses is a Hebrew. He was born a Hebrew, but he was sort of adopted. He's found as a baby by Pharaoh's daughter. And I believe that's right. And he, um, they asked for a wet nurse to nurse him because he was so young. And it, they got it. 
and the Hebrew people uh, brought his own mom to nurse him, but they the the Pharaoh's daughter did not know that Moses was a Hebrew. So Moses learned some from his mom. Um, now, in traditionally, historically, the way things happen was um, a uh, if another child was brought in, especially from uh, uh, into a household that that has slaves and the child a child from slaves comes into the household the time that the child grows up in that house it's as a playmate with uh the son of the uh slave owner which is pharaoh and um they grow up together up until a certain point and at that point there's this level this maturity that is beginning to happen that makes it a little uh, troublesome in the the owner's house and the child is then sent back to the um, the group the people that are enslaved to live there now Moses didn't spend all of his life so this is where you have to throw away the uh, if you've watched the Ten Commandments the old Ten Commandments movie you have to throw away what Cecil B. DeMille says about Moses. Moses uh, was very, before all was said and done, confused because he understood living in a house of affluence and privilege, but then he also uh, could see as he began to identify more with the Hebrews, uh, his own people and what they were going through and so his eyes were open to those injustices and he began to deconstruct that little t truth the trueness that he had in the home of affluence and he struggled with what he knew uh, as a as a someone who had lived in an Egyptian palace really and um, what he was witnessing. Now, as we know, he saw an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew, and he wound up killing the Egyptian. So now he's a murderer, and he flees to Midian. Now, Midian is across the Red Sea from Egypt, and so where he's where he's gone is away from the Hebrews, away from the Egyptians. He's in Midian, and he finds a home with Jethro, who is a priest in Midian. Now, it's not clear whether or not it was the same belief system as the Hebrew belief system, because they also were uh, influenced by the Moabites. But Jethro was a priest. Now, Moses married his daughter, but Moses also uh was employed by his father-in-law and would uh, he was a shepherd of sheep and most of his time he was on the far side of Mount Horeb with those sheep so he really didn't have much social interaction even with his own wife 
uh, during that time. So he was tending the sheep on the far side of Mount Horeb, and his ways of understanding the world, his being, how he knows himself, his world uh, and his world has collapsed into this lonely existence with these sheep and filled with probably fear and shame and guilt um, and, and trying to understand how his life became this. So, choosing presence, remember, begins with curiosity that leads to courage. So, uh, this curiosity oftentimes may be a question that you ask yourself. Like, I wonder why I think this, or what's going on over there? I don't understand, or um, this is one I say a lot. God, what's up with that? <laughs> Help me understand, what's up with that? Why do I do this? Sometimes the curiosity is about myself, it's about other things that are happening. It's about just life in general. So we're going to look at this curiosity and courage in helping Moses discover presence and being centered. So the first movement, there are three movements that we're going to look at. And there are interactions between Moses and God. And they're just snippets. So movement one, I call becoming seen. It's verse three and verse four. Moses thought, I'll go over and see the strange sight. Why this bush does not burn. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Now, the interesting thing is the curiosity provides an opportunity to see outside his own truths. It's like the bush is on fire, but it's not burning. It was an, an open door in a way. And the courage to not run when the bush says to him, Moses, Moses. It's like, oh. And he says, here I am. And that seems profound to me because it's like Moses is locating himself in this and he's seeing himself. Here I am. And it gives consent, it says I'm here. And this took courage because he's been living alone with his sheep and every so often getting to see his family. So he he could have run on the far to the far side of Mount Horeb or further away with those sheep and stay an isolated shepherd. But here he is in sort of a no man's lamb land talking to this bush and this bush is talking back to him. Um, this is the first sign of presence. He becomes seen. Here I am cracks against that shell of anonymity that has grown around his life. He's been really seen. So this is the beginning of God's call of Moses. Now he becomes seen. 
So remember, choosing presence begins with curiosity that leads to courage. So movement number two, facing himself. It's verse six. Then he, God, said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So the first thing that really hit me was God says, I am the God of your father, Moses. That had to have been profound for Moses who has lived in different households to have God say, your father, I'm the God of your father. And so he followed his curiosity and then he was confronted by this familiar thing. He's heard God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. And so it's not necessarily that we all the truths that we know are little t truths. Sometimes some of those things are big T truths. You know what I mean? They're the truths that God has put in us and God has given us and sown into our souls. And that was one of them for him. He hides his face because he's afraid to look at God. In the first movement, Moses was brave by saying, here I am. But now God is saying, here I am. And Moses has to be brave. He's afraid, but he doesn't run. That's courage. Even though he covers his face, he's afraid. He doesn't run. And and he stands before God who says, here I am, and this is who I am. And he was all about fleeing God and the Egyptian authorities way back. And here he is standing before God. And it's cool, the God of his ancestors found him. He feels found. God, uh, Moses, so God is uh, sort of seeing him and then Moses is facing himself in light of who God is and he's realizing things about himself too it's the big T truth of God and this takes courage to acknowledge that what you have extrapolated from all of your experiences to be true is not the big T truth. A lot of us have experienced that in this church. We're a safe place for people to begin to question and deconstruct things that they have learned that maybe haven't proven to be the truth for them. So let's look at the final movement in this passage. Living presence is what I call it. Movement number three. And movement number three is the movement I really love. Living presence. So verse 13 and 14. Moses says to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, 
Well, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Now, I have puzzled over that that saying. It sounds profound, but like, how do you parse it? And I found someone who, an, a linguistic person who parsed it. And he says, there's not a definite article. So it's not, I am the I am, as I've heard other people say. And, you know, the definite article would make it a noun. God isn't this static noun. Um, but it's a participle. It's a verb which is ongoing. So, and it's the to be verb. And so it's this ongoing being, ongoing being. Now this is a limited way of saying this, but God is not a noun, but he's a verb. That doesn't quite work, but he is and always will be. And he, he, he never has meant for us to be um, sort of encaged in systems of thinking that put us on the wrong, on the backside of Mount Horeb, Horeb all by ourselves with the sheep. <laughs> so it promotes openness, this I am who I am, ongoing being. There's an openness that provides for a deeper mutuality, a deeper connection, a presence together. So Moses has been courageously talking to God in this. See, he's gone from uh, just, you know, here I am to what am I to say? <laughs> That's a courageous thing to question. And God invites him in to live with that big T truth of God. I am who I am, Moses. And he chooses presence, living presence, to show Moses, this is who I am. I choose presence with you. And all that we, uh, in which we all are learning to do we're learning to see past our little t-truths that we've been taught or that we have extrapolated to see a big t-truth. God loves his people. God is with us. God uh, chooses presence with us. So, and we're all in the process of becoming seen, more and more seen, facing ourselves, and things we've done or the things that we thought we understood and being present with one another, with ourselves and with God. So this curiosity is an invitation to openness and it cracks open any kind of shell that has formed around us. And uh, it invites God. It also gives consent to God. So um, the deal is, if you want to, you know, I've, I've said, God, what's up with that? 
and you know what I don't know if I'm willing for whatever however this goes I'm just not sure so I give you consent to make to help me be willing help me choose to be willing so so this is what I want to say so be curious don't be afraid of deconstruction because there's always reconstruction and invite and consent to God in that whole process because in that process you find that you can choose presence with yourself with others and with God so let's pray so God I want to thank you for safe spaces to be able to question safe spaces to be able to take things off and out and apart and examine and either let them drop to the floor or leave them on the table or take them back I thank you for spaces to reconstruct to rethink the way that we love one another the way that we love ourselves the way that we love you the way that we are in this world and I thank you for those challenges to the ways in which we have thought and that you're growing us in these and God I thank you for the for for us being able to learn how to be an ongoing presence with ourselves, with each other, with this community, this city, God. Grow us in learning how to be an ongoing presence with others and with you. Thank you, God. Amen. It's been lovely, and I hope to see you soon. Bye.